Thank you for tuning in to Morning Edition on WRGC 88.3 FM. It's Wednesday morning, and that means it's time for our regular look into the arts and cultural events happening in and around Milledgeville in Baldwin County. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. This week, I'm welcoming to the studio two fellow radio operators, Herb Ingalls and Daniel Simpson, the president and vice president of the Milledgeville Amateur Radio Club. They're joining me today to invite you to the National Amateur Radio Field Day event that they'll be hosting between 2 and 8 p.m. this Saturday at Georgia College's West Campus Complex, just off the 441 bypass. Herb, Daniel, welcome to the WRGC Studios. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Well, it is my pleasure. It's also just my pleasure to extend a handout to some fellow radio enthusiasts, especially ahead of this event taking place this Saturday. Now, of course, we're talking about the Amateur Radio Field Day, and I thought we'd just start our conversation. If you could tell me what y'all be doing out there on the hilltops here at the West Campus Complex. It is an annual event designed to simulate a disaster setup where amateur radio operators come in and set up a portable station and to pass traffic between point A and point B. The goal is quite simple. Make as many contacts as you can. Um, We'll be talking to people from all over the country, and we'll be talking to people from all over the country and the world. Um, There are generally thirty to 40,000 people involved in this event each year, so it's the biggest event in amateur radio annually. And, of course, um, like you said, there will be 40,000 other operators out there. Will there be clubs like y'all's clubs at different locations uh, participating in the same event? Yes, some of them are even local. For example, Macon, Dublin, much of the surrounding areas up in Edenton as well. And, um, Herb, we were talking before our interview today, and you said that this is kind of like fishing. For anyone who may not be familiar with amateur radio and how it operates, could you talk about kind of what someone might experience if they were to join you out there at the radio field day? Well, one of the fun things was that uh, back in the early part of the 19th century or 20th century, we actually evolved as a non-commercial service and were able to set up actually nationally, internationally, and so on. So when we make a general call, we may be answered by uh, Ivan and Vladis Vostok. We might talk to someone down in the Antarctic. Believe it or not, we can even talk with the folks up on the International Space Station. So you're not, when you say making a call, you're not like dialing in to, to reach this member of the... Of the, of the when you... <laughs> Excuse me, I got tickled there. (laughs) So when you say that you're making a call, you're not ringing Daniel up. You're actually just kind of uh, communicating out there, and you're not not sure who you may talk to. We can listen on a uh, very large number of frequencies rather than do a direct dial, so to speak. So we're able to operate on some frequencies, which are international, some which are a little bit like public service in their line of sight, very local. Even some of the line of sight, uh, we can have the distances extended because of uh, satellite communication. And even Earth, Moon, Earth, for example, we can bounce radio signals off of the moon. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can actually hold a conversation with yourself because obviously if you're sending that signal up there to the moon, it's bouncing back. It's not like you're talking over yourself. Uh, you're actually going to hear yourself uh, in moments of delay. Right. There, there is a significant delay. And uh, if we were to send several words and be quick about it, uh, we could actually go from transmit to receive and listen to ourselves. And one of the interesting aspects about amateur radio is it's not simply about communication. We were talking about trying to reach folks. It's also, there's a lot of different skill sets that are involved, a lot of scientific and other. Uh, Can you talk about some of those skill sets that an amateur radio operator needs to have um, at their disposal? Well, actually, in order to become an amateur radio operator, you have to be licensed both by uh, national and international law. And there are a series of uh, questions in question polls for the classes of license in which you have to pass that cover technology, international operating rules and regulations, and national rules and regulations, as well as common operating practices and procedures. It's a relatively short test based on 300 or more questions per class of license and each of these question pools and classes of license build on another. We go from technician to general to amateur extra class, in which you have all available amateur privileges that your particular country and the International Telegraphy Union allow. And, um, and so it's not just something that might be int- of interest to a person like myself who's interested in communications, maybe not simply a person who's interested in electronics or science. You said that there are some other um, disciplines that this really touches upon. Oh, exactly. For example, within education, it's uh, the only hobby that I'm aware of or service that I'm aware of that covers all of STEM because you, you do cover each one of the acronyms within STEM, as well as cultural studies, geography, and languages. And, of course, um, for anyone just tuning in, STEM, of course, is science, technology, engineering, and math. So, of course, um, one of the things that you just mentioned in your most recent answer um, was service. And so this isn't just about, you know, um, enjoyment of this art and about the enjoyment of these subjects. It is about a service to communities and to society. I was wondering if you could talk about that aspect of amateur radio. Well, actually, for that, I'd like to uh, turn it over to Daniel with the preface that uh, actually we cover uh, in scale anything from a local disaster to national disasters as well as uh, true international disasters and international responses. Daniel? Okay, thank you. Um, One of the other organizations we're affiliated with here locally is the Baldwin County Amateur Radio Emergency Service, or ARIES, and that is actually part of the national organization dedicated specifically to public service. So we have the local setup here, and there's also regional organizations as state organizations and the larger national organizations And we had the resources where if there's a large-scale national disaster like Hurricane Matthew that came through last year, we are able to set up backup communication systems for organizations like the Red Cross Federal Emergency Management, both to relay their tactical messages but also to pass health and welfare messages saying this individual is at this shelter and they're okay back to their families. 
And one of the things that I might add is that Daniel is also the emergency coordinator within ARIES for Baldwin County, and ARIES does cover the entire nation. So Daniel is involved not only nationally, but also with some of our own Baldwin County public safety personnel. Well, we're about out of time uh, for our conversation today, but I wanted to leave um, uh, on a note about why y'all are so passionate about amateur radio. And I was wondering, uh, just as a, a kind of a personal testimony, if I might ask you, you know, what was that first moment that sparked your interest in this pursuit? My first moment was I was camping with my parents in northeast Georgia, and there was a gentleman in the campground who asked me if I wanted to see the radio set up in his vehicle. And I was 11 at the time, very interested in technology. And so me and my dad went up there, and he turned on the radio and made a contact in North Carolina, which I thought he got out of the state. That's incredible. Came back home to Milledgeville, got in touch with Milledgeville Club at that time, and they were offering licensing classes. So I went through the classes, passed my technician exam, and I started being able to talk regionally. I fell out of it for a little while when I was in college, and then I got back into it about five years ago now. And since then, I've gotten more involved, upgraded my license, have been able to make contacts from Europe, Africa. Very first high-frequency contact I made with my new license privileges was in Italy. So that's a nice, rewarding feeling once you pass an upgrade exam. But what I love about it is there is something for everybody. There was something for me when I was 11 years old and first licensed. There are new methods and modes that I'm still learning how to use. I've challenged myself to learn a new mode to be able to use it for field day on Saturday. So hopefully I get that figured out this week. If not, I'll have it by next year. And then I'll probably be working on another mode for next year as well. So there's always a new challenge, always a new level of excitement that it brings. I myself uh, began uh, with a present from my father, which was a radio receiver kit, shortwave radio receiver kit. And he and I put that together. And one of the first things that I heard was the great response that amateur radio played in the earthquake back in the 60s in Anchorage. And got to hear many descriptions of the damage that was done there and was really impressed by the response that was put together from that. And then over the years to help keep me involved and enthusiastic about it is uh, actually talking to places like Antarctica, Kamkatchka, uh, throughout Europe, all over the world, and actually be able to say that I've had friends there. Uh, for example, I have had the privilege of shaking hands with the father of the current king of Jordan while he was king. And uh, that was, uh, in, in itself, that was quite an experience. And through the years, I've run across things uh, from actually uh, remote locations where somebody had to have bypass surgery on their heart. I mean, just phenomenal things. Also being able to talk, because I've been in it long enough now, to some of the actual radio television pioneers. I've actually worked with some of the folks that put together the entire cellular program that we all enjoy by, with our telephones today. So it's been 
It, it's been a very interesting 47 years worth of amateur radio that I've had. And you hit upon something that I think is, is so interesting. Of course, you know, uh, we all walk around with these incredible pieces of technology in our pockets. I, I commonly like to joke with people that this is not, it's not a telephone, it's a time machine. What is the lasting, I guess, legacy of amateur radio at, at this time when there are so many other communications technologies competing with it? Well, I think one of the big impressive things to me is, is that really amateur radio is the foundation of what's presently the maker movement. And anybody who has gone through Make Magazine or has seen any of the YouTube videos about the maker movement, what you have is that experimental spirit that really put amateur radio together. And amateur radio was pretty much the spirit of all of the technological advancements that we've had. I'll, I'll, stick my neck out and say to today very good well herb daniel thank y'all so much for joining me here today uh, for our arts update i appreciate you having us yes thank you very much well, you've been listening to the Arts Update on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we are talking with Herb Ingalls and Daniel Simpson of the Milledgeville Amateur Radio Club, who will be hosting their annual Amateur Radio Field Day between 2 and 8 p.m. this Saturday, June 24th, at Georgia College's West Campus Complex. To learn more, you can find them on Facebook or visit their website at wb4doj.org. I'm Daniel McDonald, and you've been listening to the Arts Update on WRGC 88.3 FM.